This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, alternative media for discerning minds. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members for your loyalty and support. Tonight's special guest is Freeman, an internationally known award-winning TV producer, filmmaker, radio talk show host and lecturer, considered an expert in the fields of the occult, trauma-based mind control, government conspiracy, and ancient civilizations. Buckle up for a great ride. Freeman will be with us shortly. To listen to tonight's full show, become a Veritas member. Just go to our website, veritasshow.com, click on the subscribe button, and receive instant access. Don't wait any longer. For only $7.95 per month, you can listen to all of our material, hundreds of hours in CD audio quality, and take Veritas with you wherever you go. Subscribe today. And visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase our 8GB USB drives with Seasons 1 or 2 
with bonus material, MMS, and lots of Veritas items. And if you need to get in touch with me, click on the contact button of our website and also join me on Facebook. Did you know that the numbers 11, 13, and 33 are very significant to Freemasonry? Especially number 33. Recently, NASA ended its space shuttle missions with Space Shuttle Atlantis being the last on its 33rd flight. NASA's runway in Cape Canaveral is runway 33 with a heading of 330. Jesus is said to have performed 33 miracles and to have died at the age of 33. King David, father of Solomon, reigned for 33 years. The United Nations symbol divides the earth in 33 sectors. The human spine has 33 vertebrae. Did you know the space shuttle's names run the Columbia Endeavor for the discovery of Atlantis and all challengers will be destroyed? For this, what you may not know about President Barack Obama and other secrets hidden in plain sight, Freeman is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. This is Max Egan, and you are listening to Veritas. Freeman is the host of Freeman TV and has been witness to phenomenon that some men only dream of. His natural curiosity necessitated voracious studies of high weirdness, which have led him to discover the hidden code behind corporate logos, the secret of ancient astronauts, while finding time to investigate HARP and chemtrails. Freeman is an internationally known, award-winning TV producer, filmmaker, radio talk show, and is considered an expert and has lectured extensively in the fields of the occult, Templar history, secret signs, and symbolism of Freemasonry, the ancient astronaut hypothesis, trauma-based mind control, and government cover-ups. Freeman publicly announced his fears that a false flag event would occur on 9-11, that W would be forced into office, the economy would collapse on 10-13, and that the next president of America would have this would have his natural-born status questioned. And directly from somewhere in the United States of America, we would like to introduce for the first time on Veritas, Freeman. 
Hello, Freeman, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hello, Mel. I'm very honored to be here. It's my pleasure. Usually, Freeman, I have a set of questions that I that keep uh, to give a foundation for each show, but, but you seem to connect dots where no one has gone before. So I will interject and ask questions as we go along. But I read a compressed version of your bio, but there are other interesting details, including your father working for Project Blue Book and building nuclear weapons, your mother uh, being raised by a witch and a healer during World War II. Tell us more of your background and we can then talk about the rest. Absolutely. This was a shocker for me. Uh, most of this didn't come to my awareness until I had reached college. Uh, <laughs> you know, I would joke with my mom and say, well, you know, the Pope is a, a Nazi youth from Bavaria. And <laughs> right. she'd say, well, I, I'm a Nazi youth from Bavaria <laughs> and, uh, who has personally met Walt Disney, you know. And so all of a sudden, my, my family life was catching up to my research. And to me, this was a very curious note being that I was already heavily into UFO research at 10 years old. I was deep into science fiction and ancient astronauts and all of the things, uh, learning ciphers, all the things necessary to become a good occultist or even a, a Freemason. And as I, I progressed in my knowledge of all of this, I, I, I then came across the Freemasons. And when I saw their compass uh, square and G logo, this triggered my brain. And I said, wait a minute, I know this. I know this sign. I, I, why do I know this? And I had remembered that I would wear my father's cufflinks as space insignia when I played Battlestar Galactica as a child. <laughs> now, the, the connections between this are just uh, amazing. So I start talking with dad. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how deep does this go? And as I start with him, he, he all of a sudden tells me, well, yeah, there's a lot to my past you don't know. I was on the first killer submarine with Jimmy Carter. And he starts pulling out pictures of him and Jimmy and all of them on the submarine. And, you know, I have all of this stuff. And uh, then an autographed picture from George Bush Sr. as well with Barbara Bush. I don't know what that's about. Uh, then I find out that when I was in first and second grade, we were moved off to North Dakota and at this point, he was building nuclear missiles for Martin Marietta. Now, this also meant that he built our first color television and the very first computer on the block, which was bigger than my desk. <laughs> and I helped him build all of these things. But finally, he kind of just dropped the bomb on me and says, well, you know, I used to chase flying saucers for Project Blue Book. <laughs> and of course, in my stunned mind, all I could say was, you mean flying saucers are real? And he says to me, absolutely, flying saucers are real. It was my job to track them. I was on a, a, an island in the South Seas with four radar dishes, and any time a flying saucer flew over, it was my job to contact headquarters. So now I find out my dad's in Blue Book. I find out my dad's building nukes. I find out that he's uh, a, a worshipful master of the Freemasonic Lodge, practicing and performing all of the rites and rituals that the, the leaders of our nations go through. And then I then I turn to mom and find out she's a Bavarian or a Nazi youth from Bavaria. That was well, my grandfather seemed to be very much like me on my mom's side. He uh, was an ardent anti-Nazi and was chased to the hills for for his beliefs and for his outspoken beliefs, I should say, about the Nazis. So he had to run. My mom was then kind of cast adrift and she was sent off to France. And at this point, she uh, was raised by a, a renowned healer who would 
cure cows of uh, warts and things of this nature mm-hmm. uh, by performing uh, witchcraft rituals under the full moonlight, which my mom also taught to me. It was in German, so it was kind of difficult. But she showed me the methods, and and it really creeped me out. And it creeped her out as well. She never once performed any of these rituals. But so now I find out that my whole family is is involved in the things that I'm researching. And to me, this really spoke of genetic memory and how potentially some of us are coming out with this information and not knowing why. Hmm, That's why you're probably asking so many questions. Was your dad Air Force or a private contractor? He was Navy and Air Force, so Air Force first and then Navy. This is just incredible. So when you say uh, cell memory or genetic memory, you were asking the questions of the things that they were doing before. Why were they compelled to to share with you the real truth? That is very strange. And and I think a lot of people find out when they realize that their family members or fathers or, or uncles and, and, and grandfathers are were, were members of the Freemasonic Lodge. Because most are not told and the family doesn't discuss it. You know, dad goes off to his little meetings, but you never know anything about it. My dad was doing it for years and I had no idea. So I really don't know what I what I finally assigned to dad to give him kind of a credence because he never spoke was that his entire life was top secret and he really had nothing to share. You know, it is so interesting that we put the connections between Freemasons and our military and the foundations of this country. Uh, but first, I just want to share with the audience something that is important, and it's on, on the radar of everybody, especially today. Let's go back for, for a moment. I remember sitting in my classroom in eighth grade on April 14, 1981, Freeman. It was a Tuesday. My science teacher brought a TV to the classroom so we could witness the first space shuttle landing. And this morning, with the landing of the Atlantis space shuttle, 30 years later, the era is over. Is this turning U.S. astronauts into hitchhikers when Russia is now starting the era of the Soyuz? We seem to continue spending money into perpetual wars, but space exploration is just a drop in the bucket. What do you think? Well, <clears throat> I grew up in Orlando, Florida, and I, I watched numerous, numerous uh, rocket launches and shuttle launches. It was a part of my life and a part of my existence. We were actually standing outside in the backyard, and my friend said, what if it just blew up? And well, that happened to be the right. Challenger, and it blew up seconds after he said this. Uh, <laughs> you know, living in the space age is an amazing thing. My grandfather, at 100 years old, was involved as, an, as a train engineer for the gold spike incident uh, connecting the east to west and then died after the first space shuttle launches so you know watching this rise of technology and then now just a sudden completion of it all was a bit shocking for some now for me it was not i had laid out an outline i seem to have a hypothesis that that predicts truly and i am able to step up and come uh, before the incidents and tell you what's going to occur so before Barack Obama was placed into office, I had announced that we were going to see the end of NASA, that, that Obama will shut down NASA and will bring about a privatized space program, bringing about SpaceX and their Dragon spacecraft. So for me, this was no shock. For me, I have been tracking it. I have a section on my website, Freeman TV, that is called the Space War News. And I began right at the moment where Barack Obama said, I will not weaponize space, to the moment he did. 
and I still carry on and carry forth with this. The list of my Space War news is, is pretty incredible. It's been you know years now. Uh, so the shutdown of NASA was something that I had expected, anticipated, and predicted. And there was reasons for this, and the main reason being that they needed to get to space warfare. And as we look to the plan, as the elite leak their plan towards us in many different directions, Werner von Braun, uh, the Nazi scientist, the V-2 rocket scientist who came from Project Paperclip to right. NASA, uh, had outlined the method of bringing about a global, global dictatorship. And he said, we're going to use the Red Scare. Actually, he referred to they. He, he, he seemed to not be involved in this and actually a, an opponent to this whole situation. He said the Red Scare would be used first, uh, the, the Cold War. And then we'd move into terrorism, which is where we're at now. This would be followed by asteroids, where actually we're at now. Terrorists was 2001. Uh, asteroids would be the next threat. And then following this, the extraterrestrial threat. The last card. Absolutely. And so I began watching this very interplay. And I watched as the NASA scientists and the NASA astronauts began interacting with the SpaceX Dragon uh, spacecrafts. So I knew the shuttles were going down. I knew Barack Obama was going to come out and say he was going to cut funding to NASA. And I knew we were going to move to a militarized and a privatized space program. This is Orbital Sciences and SpaceX, uh, who is, uh, you know, SpaceX was, was started by the founder of PayPal, uh, Elon Musk, who is also the owner of Tesla Motors. That's right. A lot of people don't, don't know that, yeah. And he is the very one that will be uh, and is already launching many of the military space operations. So we watched as they moved Space Command over to the Cheyenne Mountain Station next to NORAD and with uh, uh, the Missile Defensive Shield. And I watched as uh, Barack Obama put Ray Mabus in charge of the, the Space War, head of the Navy, who is uh, now head of the, the United States Space Force. Now, many people didn't realize that we had a United States Force, and we have for quite some time, and that when you go and watch Stargate 1 or SG-1, you'll see the, the, the Star, uh, Space Force Command seal on their arm patches and the fact that they're in NORAD. It's all right there. Even if you watch the credits of SG-1, it says we greatly acknowledge all the help that Space Command and the Space Force has given to us in the making of this SG-1 production. <laughs> Now, that's very curious as well, because I have an artwork up on my website under uh, Ancient Technology of the Future. And in this, I have the SG-1 uh, staff, you know, including their nemesis, Apophis, and all of the Obama administration. And you will find that the SG-1 crew and the Obama administration are identical in appearance. Now, this blows my mind. To me, this is predictive programming. This is laying it into our, our souls before it happens. And it also shows you how well developed this whole schedule is. But before you continue, let me just add something to this. What you're saying of the credits of SG-1, the same thing happened during 2001 Space Odyssey. The first cut had the credits of all the contractors that gave a hand. Uh, everybody who was involved with Apollo was also shown on the credits of 2001 Space Odyssey, almost as if saying, look, we faked this, we did it uh, in a studio, but we gave the hand to uh, to the producers. Is this more or less what happened with SG-1 and, and the rest? I believe so, and I believe this actually kind of wraps up in their occult belief system in that 
we must do these things of our own free will and accord. This is one of the first things you say when you enter a Masonic lodge to perform your rituals blindfolded before they, you know, kill you and stick you in the back of the lodge and then resurrect you. You step in the lodge and say, I've come of my own free will and accord. I think that the same uh, type of occult practice is garnered through Hollywood. And so then we are giving our own free will agreement to these awful things that they do because they project it to us as fiction and as stories that uh, we are excited about. Mm-hmm. I recently started watching, uh, Star- I-, I saw the movie Stargate that many years ago, and I recently started watching Stargate Universe. I've never watched any of the series, and I found interesting the part about ancient Stargate, which I've discussed in the show, and I seem to think that there's some reality with this. But speaking of Freemasons and, and NASA, I want to ask you about the number 33. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is the number 33 at Cape Canaveral. The first launch pad for Apollo and the space shuttle and the runway is runway 33 west of north. Buzz Aldrin is a 33rd degree Mason. Tell us more about what you have been able to uncover. Why are the Freemasons and NASA so obsessed with the number 33? And we might add that this was Atlantis's 33rd flight. That's right. That's right. Uh, The number 33 correlates on many different perspectives. And honestly, uh, I think others have a better detail of what what it might symbolize. Uh, It does definitely get into things such as the spinal column and the 33 vertebrae and the idea of the body being the temple. And when we get to a lot of the correlations of, say, ancient architecture in Egypt, we see the body correlated with, say, the Temple of Luxor, uh, the Temple of Man. And we find that this magic number that they use, uh, you know, I I wish I had a better answer for you on that one, Mel. I'm sorry that uh, that's not one of my... My mainstays on the number. That's fine, but uh, you mentioned the the spinal uh, spine. It's actually 32 vertebrae, but if you count the fused bone in the lower spine, that will be your 33. But Jesus is said to have performed 33 miracles and to have died at the age of 33. King David, father of Solomon, reigned for 33 years. The United Nations symbol divides the earth in 33 sectors. This number 33 is just all over the place. It's true. And and the Trinity, certain numerology that you can definitely decipher out of these uh, Masonic things and how I predicted 9-11 in trying to understand these things. And perhaps I should go to my Kabbalist dictionary and, and, and understand 33 more in that fashion. Because when you realize uh, that Albert Pike, the grand sovereign commander of Freemasonry yeah. back in the 1800s, uh, the lead Masonic philosopher, author of Morals and Dogma, outlined the 33 degrees of Freemasonry. In that book, Morals and Dogma, over 70 times states that Freemasonry is Kabbalism, which is an ancient Hebrew mysticism. So as you start to take your deciphering over, you have to relate it to the Tarot, you have to relate it to the Tree of Life, which is a, a perhaps a map of the other dimensions, as many Kabbalists believe. And this Tree of Life gives us a lot of stories and examples and understandings in that Uh Let's see now, when, you, when you've got the tree of life, actually, you've also got a 33 because there are 22 paths, which are the, the major arcana of the tarot, and then you have 10 sephirah, or spots, along the, the, um, the tree of life. And Plus it starts the doth with God. one, 
right? And then Doth being the the missing one. So right. there would be thirty two plus Doth, the the hidden Sephiroth. Yes. And that's how I ended up with the numbers of nine and eleven. As I started to look at the tree of life and started to understand the symbolic nature of it, when you go from nine to eleven, you're skipping ten, which in in the Kabbalistic tradition is Kether or heaven. And so God, therefore, the one and the zero, the unified number. Uh, so when you go from nine to eleven, you're skipping God, and this is the number of a sorcerer. And I have done studies through Kenneth Grant, through the Church of Satan, uh, through many other occultists, Aleister Crowley, and all of them highlight the number nine as being the most satanic number because it's very selfish. Every time it's multiplied, it returns to itself. And then the number eleven is the number of manifestation. So you take the number of Satan, nine, which Anton LaVey will tell you clearly is the satanic number, and you add this to, uh, to nine and eleven, and you get this, this Luciferian or sorcerer number of manipulating the reality without using God. That's so interesting. You know, nine, nine times nine, 81, eight plus one is nine. That's so true. Do you remember back in uh, September 11th, 1990, when uh, George W. Bush, uh, not W. Bush, George H. W. Bush, said that we needed a new world order. Then fast forward 11 years to another solar maximum, we got 9-11-01. And then the next solar maximum that's coming is 9-11-2012. Do you see a correlation between these three dates? Absolutely. And it was George Bush's message that made me pinpoint the number 9-11, because I know how ritualistic these people are. And when you look to the letters, now, George H.W. Bush is, is <laughs> a very interesting character. Of course, been in power for something around 30 years, right. uh, at least 29 years. And his, his letters, H and W, these correlate to the Tarot and to the Fallen Angels. When you see H as the letter of the Emperor, W is the letter of the Fallen Angels, or VV, the number 66. Uh, if you remember in Star Wars, they said execute order 66 and they killed all the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Well, in Hebrew, the letter V is six. So W actually is 66. So HW, H is the letter of the emperor, W the letter of the fallen angels. So HW being the emperor of the fallen angels who gave birth of a child who he, he lettered W or simply the fallen angels. And this is how I managed to predict him being forced into office. Um, by identifying these these codes that they place in there and the symbolic gestures that come along with it. Now, real quick, I'll just digress a little bit to W and, and his bloodline. When we start to realize that Pauline Pierce, who was uh, the, the wife of the owner of McCall's Magazine, uh, oh, I always forget his name, she was sent off to Aleister Crowley. Now, this is true. Uh, to go have a ritual, an OTO, Ordo Templi Orientis ritual, Pauline Pierce goes off to France and performs this ritual. She comes back and suddenly she's pregnant. Now, the Pierces actually connect with the, the uh, gunpowder pot. <laughs> gunpowder <laughs> Yeah, say that one. <laughs> uh, gunpowder plot, which was the Percy's who changed their name to Pierce so that they could kind of hide themselves from this whole uh, shenanigans. So the Pierce blood line comes down. We get Franklin Pierce, the president, who was pro-slavery and was ousted uh, by Buchanan, who was also a Freemason. 
And then this Pierce bloodline comes down to Bar to Pauline Pierce, who goes off to Barbara with uh, Alistair Crowley, performs this ritual. And if you know anything about the Ordo Templi Orientis or Alistair Crowley's uh, cult, you'll know that they are highly sexual, that all of their rituals are based in sex. So her returning pregnant would not be a shock. Now, of course, the pregnancy was covered and said to be the husband's, but the timing really works out to be Alistair Crowley. And if you have a look at Pauline Pierce's daughter, Barbara Pierce, connect her with Alistair Crowley, put them faces side by side, and you will see that Barbara Bush could be the daughter. Barbara Bush, yes, uh, who was Barbara Pierce, is the daughter of Alistair Crowley, who gave birth to W, who is the grandson of the Beast. <laughs> Just check that for yourself. So yes, I do agree that 9/11 is one of their main uh, numbers. As long, also 10/13, which is one of my prediction for the crash of the. I've actually done an annual 10/13 show because there's something that occurs every 10/13. Uh, this is the day that the Templars fell. This is the the number of uh, Chris Carter's production company who makes the X Files. The X Files. Right. That's right. But, but before you give me the, the 1013, I, I'm curious to go in, chrono, in chronological order here. Let's go back to 9-11. How exactly did you predict 9-11? Okay, so as I was looking at this scenario, I'm, I'm watching as they are attempting to pass Homeland Security during the Bill Clinton era. And this came up every October 1st. They continually tried to create a Homeland Security Department. They already had Tom Ridge waiting in the wings, ready to be head of it. And yet no one, no one in their right mind would pass this bill. So each year during the Clinton era, I expected in the middle of September, because I knew they needed about two weeks for a, a public reaction, to, to then announce the Homeland Security bill again as if it were something new. Well, all during the Clinton era, this didn't occur. Now, all of my friends, they all know, and I was saying in the middle of September, in the middle of September. Finally, I focused on this 9-11 connection and understood the symbolic nature of it. And so I revamped my prediction and said 9-11 will be the day. So they tried, uh, they tried this after the uh, alleged attacks in uh, the, the first World Trade Center attacks in 1993, correct? They tried this, exactly. but people could not uh, rally behind them because it was not powerful enough. Exactly. Yeah, the symbol, the it didn't affect the consciousness enough for them to push this. Right, right. Now, there was another agenda rolling as well, a psychological warfare where they started to diminish the man, the president. They started to bring Bill Clinton out in front of the public and announce that he had had an affair with his secretary, Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. They brought him before the public and made him turn purple as they mentioned him inserting a cigar into his secretary. You know, of course, she kept her sperm-laden dress around so that she had proof of this whole incident and they brought this man before the entire public now to me this was psychological warfare and this clued me into the rest of the program i said now they don't do this to a president never ever do they bring about sexual transgressions uh out into the public unless they want to diminish this man now it wasn't bill clinton they were after it was the ideal of the president that they were after so they diminished this very ideal we had and in doing so, then set the stage to force a president into office, which was my next prediction. When I saw this uh, rumbling of the W coming around, and I already knew the meaning of W because I was uh, deciphering all the corporate logos I had seen around me, and I had gotten to Phillips 66, and I didn't really understand the meaning of it. 
Well, soon I did, as I opened my Kabbalist dictionary and found 66 to be the number of the fallen angels and connected to the letter W. Even when you look to Hitler and his Volkswagen logo, which was his car of the people to bring about his national socialism, the Volkswagen logo is actually two Vs interlaced. That's right. So this is the 66, the, the fallen angels. But when you cross the two Vs, making a third V, then, of course, you've got 666 in this scenario. As you look at Philip's 66 logo, you will see that there's six points on the crest. And there you again, a coded 666. And I can find these all over the place. Fox equals 666. CERN's logo is 666. Go to your bit and apple on your Macintosh. You know, all kinds of satanic symbols I can find. Uh, I don't I, I don't want to digress into that. Uh, so now I'm saying, okay, they're going to force W into office and they're going to make it apparent to everyone that they did so. This is all part of the psychological warfare to then destroy your concept of elections and, and uh, democracy. And sure enough, they force W into office and then they blame Jeb Bush. And I'm saying, no, look, this is the conspiracy within the conspiracy. You're supposed to think it's Jeb Bush. You're supposed to think this is a Bushian coup. But because I could predict this event, this has been something that's been predicted or uh, planned for quite some time. So when they did force the W into office, as I had predicted, then I knew that would be the year. That was it. And so I stood before, uh, well, Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> I didn't have a public appearance. I had never heard of Bill Cooper or Alex Jones or any of these people that I might have been able to make a public platform out of. Mm -hmm. And I stood up and I said, 9-11 is going to – there will be a major terrorist attack. Don't freak out. It's all for your reaction. This is what year? What it's on on 2011? I'm sorry, 2001. You said this, this was in. Yes, I, I like to go for the freak factor. I like to you know f trip out the norms, as it were. So I was actually at a party with a band playing, and I took over the microphone and I announced it to everyone at the party. <laughs> so now, what date? Do you remember it? No, I, I, I cut it really close because I wanted them to be, you know, aware. But as you as I've been saying, I've been talking about it since uh, well into Clinton. You know, for three years, I mm -hmm. was talking about 9-11 before it happened. Just as I have another prediction now for the 4th of July in the Temple Mount that I've been talking about for years and I'm waiting to see. Uh, so I'm years and years ahead, but I like to hit the the high points and, and you know, like I say, trip out the norms. So on 9-11... But did you know the year? Were you saying 9-11, but did you, did you predict the year? Well, no, uh, because there has to be other symbolic gestures that alert me. Mm. Just as the 1013 event had symbolic gestures that alerted me to when. Now, this, the, the, the ritual nature of the date I had, but as far as the political structure necessary to implement it, I have to wait and see. And so... It was the, the forcing of W that said to me, okay, this is going to be the year because he is going to be a warmonger. He's signed by the, the fallen angels, the number of the Nephilim, 66, yeah. or W. So it's when other gestures come into play that allow me to then further my, my prediction or projection, if you will, of my hypothesis. Uh, so it, when W was forced in, then I knew that would be the year. Now, the, the curious thing for me is I'm, I'm a world or a, a U.S. traveler. I am now a world traveler, but at this time, I was just wandering the U.S. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a home. I didn't have anything. I just traveled. And uh, this is a beautiful, wonderful life, if anyone can ever find it, of synchronicity that just guides you to things that you could have never imagined or ever hoped to do. 
certainly I never meant to be speaking to you or be on television or anything that I'm doing now. This all just happened to me because I was on my path. So here I am in, in a house in Lawrence, Kansas, and I'm, <laughs> I don't have a calendar. I don't have a television. I don't know what's going on in the world. People think that I'm you know, really into watching everything, although I am an avid watcher of C-SPAN and CNN and things of this nature. Uh, I wasn't at the time. So all of a sudden, I have a line of people standing at my door. And I answer the door, all groggily, not knowing what's going on. And they're, they're demanding how I knew. And I'm, I'm totally baffled by this. I'm like, what are you talking about? Who knew what? And they said, you were right. You were right. You know, there was an attack. And I'm like, I, I didn't even know that day was 9-11. I didn't even have, I had no idea. I don't pay attention to the calendar. And so, but what was really curious to me was that at least three people in this dozen people in line in my door had their bills already folded as the Twin Towers burning. Ah, uh, okay. Now. This is a curious note for me and probably something only I know is that people on 9-11 knew of the bills being folded to show. Now, this again goes to my free will and accord type of cult scenario. How did they know? How did they know? Right. How did you know? They said, oh, it was all over the Internet. Okay, now I'm not for a minute going to believe that uh, somebody suddenly figured that out on 9-11. But I'm one that watches these things and have for quite some time. So I still remember that on January 1st, 2000, when you signed into your Eye of the Pyramid AOL account, yeah. they give you a poll. And on January 1st, 2000, that poll asked, would you take a national ID card? Huh. These are the type of things that when you're aware, you can see the sociological programming going on. And this is how I make my prophecies, if you want to call them that. <laughs> You know, I look back to, 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 to number six. Hitler was declared dead on May 1st, 1945, and Osama was declared dead on May 1st, 2011, exactly 66 years later. No body, no shrine, uh, basically both in the same situation. We know what happened after, after the uh, Nazis lost the war. They won the peace. Do you think the script is still alive And uh, can we say 9-11 was our Reichstag fire? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was so beyond that as well. Because one, this is a global conspiracy. So to say 9-11 was an inside job, you're not really getting the whole picture. Right. Because what they are attempting to do right now is make America Satan. And this is why we get such horrible Hollywood press. You know, everybody's watching uh, these Jersey Shore or whatever ways that they can humiliate Americans. And they are also encoding this type of satanic gesture into everything we do. So the idea is to turn the rest of the world against America so that we can be the next Nazi regime to be taken down. To form this global dictatorship, which Obama is setting up with his 10 regional governors, and as things start to to come about. So we have to be very careful in our truther movement, because a lot of this is fed to us, just as Jeb Bush was fed to us, just as 9-11 is an inside job was fed to us. These type of things have to be taken very serious and have to be careful that you're not further increasing this psychological warfare against America. Well, you mentioned the truth movement. What did Lenin say? The best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves. Do you think that the truth movement has been infiltrated and some of the information that they seem to be propagating has been fed to them by those who perpetrated 
9-11? I, I absolutely do, even if they're unwitting, uh, even if they don't realize it. You know, I, I, I st- sat in the same chair as Alex Jones. I began in the very same studio, same chair, and uh, we became somewhat eh, acquaintances. I, I don't know if Alex has friends. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, will, I will go on record to state that I don't believe that Alex Jones is an intentional uh, dupe of the Illuminati, but I think he is an unintentional dupe of the Illuminati, spreading his fear and hate message, trying to get people into patriot, violent patriotism. And I think that he just fit the bill and that, yes, they absolutely feed him information so that he'll feed it to the rest of the public. Now we see him on Russia today. We saw him on The View. I mean, when you start to reach that type of level, I have no doubt that they are feeding you this. Yeah, same thing when the Charlie Sheen started they both started associating with each other and we see Charlie Sheen now obliterated. But do you think that Alex Jones and a lot of our listeners listen to Alex, of course, do you think that he filled the void that was left by Bill Cooper? Because even president Clinton has sent a memo to everybody at the FBI saying, William Cooper is the biggest threat to the United States. And all of a sudden, in in November of 2001, they took him out. Yeah, there's no doubt that uh, he was, you know, he was shot right there on his front porch, basically in the back. Uh, Bill Cooper was was an amazing American that was very angry. And I find that in our miraculous existence that we don't understand, we will call upon forces on ourselves that aren't we're not ready for. I have a friend who loves to take on court cases, and yet he's always in court for the wrong things. He's like, why are they always catching me? And I'm like, because you're focused on it. You want to go to court. And he's like, not for these things. Well, when you focus on it, that's what you get. And sure enough, Bill Cooper was uh, one that would say, you know, come and get me. And, and, And they did. So a lot of it, I think, has to do with your own mental perspective and how you relate to these things. For me, conspiracy is, is a lot of fun. Uh, my theories are not very threatening. They're, they're very intriguing. And you can reestablish wonder in the world through studying my work. Uh, whereas others are really just then focusing on political spectrums, on head games that really have no true influence in our world because you can't stop these things. Not by... Uh, protest, not by pl- political implementation. There's, there's no way. I'm sorry, but you cannot uh, attack this problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's not a political one. And so, as we start to grow in our spiritual nature, as we start to understand the universe around us, then you can start to address the problems. But as long as you're going to be stuck in this mindset where you want to attack your enemy, then you are your enemy. And, and I have to say. I remember when I listened to Jordan Maxwell for the first time, Michael Tessarian and some other people. At first, because you think outside the box and because you, you, you try to connect dots that others in the mainstream don't even go there, it's very difficult for those of us who awoke later in life to get it. But once you start rolling in that direction, you can't stop. So now when you see... You know, like I said, May 1st, 2011, exactly 66 year, years later after Hitler was declared dead, 9-11, the Reichstag fire, they had fatherland security, we have homeland security, they have the Enabling Act, we have the Patriot Act. You seem to see it. The question is, now 
The Nazi party has changed its name. It's on a worldwide basis. What's the end game? Well, we are looking at as, as, as it starts to unfold, and we're watching now as they bring about this asteroid threat. Uh, the near-Earth objects of Jet Propulsion's laboratory was, uh, is, is put out all over the place, and we've had these mysterious incoming fireballs that are causing sonic booms and then followed shortly by earthquakes. Now, the first one that I had, I had uh, tracked on this went directly over the HARP facility uh, back in the late 90s. And at that moment, I had questioned. Now, I made the very first documentary on HARP ever, and I questioned in that documentary whether we had the ability to hurl these type of fireballs at our own planet. Now, as I've tracked them and watched over time, we had many, many more of these incoming, sometimes green, uh, but anomalous fireballs in that every scientist that's ever looked at them does not see a rock. There's never been a meteor found in connection with them except for one, which the rock seemed to just happen to fall into the university uh, professor who studies this backyard yeah, uh, when right. they were trying to cover this. And then suddenly, and I have this in the Space War News, they announced that these fireballs are classified secret. Now, how can you classify a fireball secret? But sure enough, these things have been causing havoc all over the globe. And meanwhile, they start launching all of these space-based space surveillance systems. Right, right. As we watch this unfold, then we know that the next thing is the extraterrestrial threat. Now, curious for me, the, the asteroid that they were mainly concerned about to come and destroy planet Earth in 2029 or 2036 Apophis. was named Apophis. Now, Apophis is the serpent deity of destruction of Akhenaten's religion. The nemesis, they're Satan. Exactly. It is the original Satan, because Akhenaten is, is the purveyor, the creator of monotheism. And now we have their Satan coming in, and this plays into the Obama story very heavily. So now we've got all these threats coming in, but of course, as they say, as Werner von Braun had said, the next threat was extraterrestrial. So we watch now as, uh, say, Fife Symington, ex-governor of Arizona, who was around for the Arizona Lights, the yep. Phoenix Lights, uh, who came out and dressed his, grade, his aide up as a gray and laughed at the, the city council and the people that had come to question what that large V-shaped craft was hanging over the city of Phoenix. Well, of course, he laughed them off stage, but now you see him on documentaries left and right saying, oh, if you had seen that craft, you would know it was otherworldly. Meanwhile, they're throwing out uh, Buzz Aldrin on every show possible, or at least the ones that reach the American minds, which is uh, Dancing with the Stars, 30 Rock, uh, and I forgot the other one. Oh, Worldwide Wrestling, that's right, the WWF. Even and, the Transformers, the, the latest movie. Oh, really? I haven't seen that yet. So here's Buzz Aldrin coming out in all of these major, well, you know, popular shows. And speaking of this monolith on Phobos, now they're there again bringing about this extraterrestrial idea. He says it was either God or E.T. that put it there. Now we can talk about the Marsis, who was uh, the, the, um, the satellite sent to investigate Phobos. And as they approached Phobos... It, it, they had to turn into silent running. They shut down all electronics and everything except for their uh, internal sensing array, which was uh, tomography. It's uh, like HARP can do tomography, but 
transmitting the radio frequencies into the planet to be able to see inside of it, which is the reason I think they bombed the moon. Uh, but when they went, they had to go to a silent running to go around uh, Phobos, which Phobos and Deimos, this means fear and panic. That's right. <laughs> and and they, these moons only appeared in 1877. They were never sp- seen or spotted or spoken of by any astronomer prior. Uh, so Phobos and Deimos seem to suddenly have appeared in 1877. They have a very unusual orbit. Phobos should have crashed into Mars years ago and won't. Uh, there was a 14-mile-long craft when the Phobos-2 mission of Russia was sent up there and then suddenly lost. Now, there were six satellites, I believe, six, uh, that have been lost in attempts of getting photographs of Phobos. Phobos-1, Phobos-2, a uh, number from the Americans. and But Phobos-2 managed to uh, photograph this 14-mile-long shadow of a, of, a, of a craft. Now we send up our Marsus and, and try to get imagery of this, and we find that they had to go into a silent running where they announced, well, we won't get any pictures of the monolith today because we can't run the cameras. Curious right. that they would even mention it. Uh, so then we have then Maslon Othman, who is the UN's ambassador to extraterrestrials. We have the, the Pope's uh, meteorite collector who is coming out saying that he would baptize E.D.E.T. We have Benjamin Funes, a Jesuit priest who works for the Vatican uh, as a lead astronomer who is now attached to CERN who came out and said that aliens are our space brothers and didn't suffer original sin because they weren't born of Eve. That's right. And then we had the National Press Conference come out and announce the E.T. disclosure. We had the NASA E.T. disclosure. We've had all of this E.T. disclosure coming out, bombarding us. So obviously preparing us for this next phase in this storyline. Then know, we had, of course... Let, uh, me, just, let me just inject, some, right inject something here. Very close to where I am lies the one of the largest telescopes in the world. It's owned by the Vatican. And right next to it, there's a consortium of uh, European uh, agencies that have a telescope right next to that one called Lucifer. Now Lucifer. explain that. Now they really had to work to get that name, I'll tell you what. Yeah. That was not a, a, an easy word to come up with as they... Uh, I, 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 I'm, I would love to find the, the words that make this. I have it, of course, in my Space War News as I've been tracking all of the things that come around. Uh, but certainly the Lucifer Telescope, along with Project Wormwood, uh, the VLF Boeing Array in Australia, all of these have a lot to do with what's going on. Uh, as soon as we started to notice the warming trend in all of the planets in our solar system, we began to launch all kinds of infrared satellites out. We got the WISE out there. We got the IRAS and Chandra. And they began looking into what we can't see with our naked eye. Uh, the Lucifer telescope is one that would see uh, so deep that we could start to get these uh, high-res images of uh, of the uh, galaxies and, and even in space particles that we can't see. But the, the name, which they... By the way, by the way, the name stands for Large Binocular Telescope Near Infrared Utility with Camera, an Integral Field Unit for Extragalactic Research. A mouthful. Yes. Yes. I mean, they really had to work at that. They really did. And of course, the Pope came out and said, well, uh, you know, it was the Germans that named it. We had nothing to right. do with this, right? Well, Lucifer plays a, an extremely large role in this whole story. 
It was the original Planet X. If you go back to Velikovsky and the worlds in collision, you get the idea of Venus being drawn into our solar system and uh, causing havoc, causing the the disruption in the planets as uh, you know Uranus and Neptune on their side, uh, the asteroid belt, and all of these were originally blamed on Venus. Now, when you look up Lucifer in the dictionary, the very first thing you're going to see is is Venus. And the very next thing you'll see is a friction match. And then there'll be a subcategory that says Christian Satan. Uh, Lucifer plays into this so heavily in the Freemasonic idealisms. Uh, we have quotes by Albert Pike. Uh, speaking of Lucifer, what a strange name to give to one of darkness. And Lucifer is one of those characters that's been composed out of the Bible. And people will say that, Lucifer is this most beloved angel of God that was cast down out of heaven and, and came down and became the devil. Well, there's nothing in the Bible to state that this is true. Uh, there are two quotes within the Bible, one that says, and Satan fell like lightning from heaven, which curiously enough, in the, in the native language of Jesus, in, Ar in Aramaic, that, that statement would say, and Satan fell like Barack Obama. Because Barak means lightning in Aramaic, and Obama is from the heights. Okay, so Barack Obama is Lucifer, is the, the lightning from heaven. And when you play Yes, We Can backwards, it clearly says, thank you, Satan. Mm. Or right, vice versa, say thank you, Satan, and reverse it, and you'll hear, yes, we can. Okay, but Lucifer is not this character that they, they use in this uh, storyline. There is nothing in the Bible to say this is true. Uh, then you get to, O Lucifer, how thou hast fallen. Now, this word, Lucifer, was suddenly interjected into the King James Bible. It never existed in the Bible prior to this. We had phosphorus, um, but we did not have Lucifer. This came up in King James. I personally believe that this is Sir Francis, Sir Francis Bacon's doing who is also most likely Shakespeare. And he has encoded himself into the King James Bible many times. Now when we look to Lucifer, we actually find that the story comes from Dante and Milton, Paradise Lost or the Divine Comedy. This is where the true story of, of what people think is the story of Lucifer comes from. And we also find that... Uh, well, I lost that train of thought. <laughs> uh let me mention something while you, you, you gather your thoughts. You mentioned that George W. Bush was forced into office. I've said for some time that I think George H. W. Bush was forced into office. He was going to be forced even earlier on because Ronald Reagan really wanted Gerald Ford as his running mate, not H. W. Bush. And uh, we all know what happened in March of 1981 when... They attempted to kill Ronald Reagan, and it was um, Hankley's brother who was going to have dinner with Bush's son the night before. And the family of the perpetrator was a an oil baron family, very friends with uh, the Bush family. So in other words, they really wanted a shoe-in. They, they killed Reagan. Bush all of a sudden becomes the next uh, president right there without even being elected. Do you see a connection here since that didn't happen? And then in 19. 88, he won, but lost in 92 after uh, Hurricane Andrew hit and the lack of help, similar to what happened with Katrina. Do you see a correlation here? 
Well, I even see how he set up his own downfall in that he would uh, he set himself up to fall where he had said no new taxes no new ta- and lips. then forced in the new taxes. So, yeah, they, they absolutely set the stage. It's all prestidigitation, just stage magic as they uh, set up the psychological warfare is really what's going on and getting the proper people in place. Absolutely. And, of course, you didn't want uh, they didn't want another eight years of Republicans at the time. So they brought uh, Bill Clinton. And you think that I just want to know, really, why the Monica Lewinsky scandal? Some say that it was because some wanted him to to attack uh, uh, Iraq and he wouldn't. And the Israelis uh, planted Monica Lewinsky, who supposedly was a Mossad agent, and her father, a doctor from Ecuador, I believe, uh, a Mossad agent. And after he attacked, they stopped, they basically called off the dogs, and they didn't pursue the, the uh, uh, how do you call it? What's the word that I want to use? The, the impeachment. The impeachment, exactly. Right. Uh, there are many levels to all of these stories. For me, I was just looking at the overall psychological effect that this had on on the American public of destroying this saxophone playing David Letterman watching man of the people. Yeah, and bringing him down for something that most people considered not really uh, an offense. You know, we've pretty much gotten to the point where extra marital affair is just kind of a blase event. So it was just enough to bring it out and just enough to destroy the hearts of the American public in their ideal of the man. And that's what led me to say that the next president would be forced in and that the president following W would not be considered an American, predicting the birther movement. Now, 1013, before we go to the birther movement, 1013, which came just before Obama was elected. How did you come up with the 1013? Well, I actually have been tracking 1013 since I, I, I very began. There are many things that the public doesn't know about their own history. Who designed the American flag? Why is our nation known as America? What is the Why is the capital our district of Columbia? Uh, these type of questions are ones that drove me. Uh, as I began my corporate logo studies, and of course, Chris Carter plays into this heavily, and of course, you know, the lone gunman's pilot episode portraying the exact scenario of the 9-11 truth, uh, you know, definitely put him on my radar, but he was already on my radar. So 1013 was something that I had I had been tracking for quite some time. It was the, the day that uh, Mother Mary gave her final projection uh, to the, the children at... Uh, um, Oh, what's the name of that place? Uh, Fatima. Fatima, thank you. Uh, so 1013 it was a day that Nero lost Rome. It was one of these dates that just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And it was the day, of course, that the Templars were disbanded and, and considered uh, criminal. Or even worse, you know, spitting on the cross or peeing on the cross, kissing each other in the anus, these type of things that they had done. So as I'm watching this 1013 and, and, and tracking the Templar connections with Freemasonry and how this all played into the storyline, I started to watch these symbolic gestures or notice symbolic gestures coming to, a, uh, to the Templar head, if you will, uh, such as W went to go visit the Pope and they visited in St. John's Tower. Now, St. John is the patron saint of the Knights Templar and of Freemasonry. 
And this is an event that has never occurred, never before, as a pope hosted a guest in St. John's Tower. So this was first clue. Then he met uh, W on Friday the 13th. Now, the reason Friday the 13th is so unlucky is it's the Friday the 13th, 1307 that, of October that the Templars fell. Right. So here were some more symbolic gestures. Now, I started to get rumblings in the, the ethosphere that the Pope was secretly investigating the Illuminati and the Knights Templar. So I just kind of kept my ear open and waited. And sure enough, the next thing you know, the Vatican comes out and says, Oh my God, we suddenly found this document that's been hidden for 600 years. It was misplaced or misidentified, miscategorized. And it exonerates the Knights Templars of all wrongdoing. Now, this was huge to me because this is, you know, as I say, a 600-year-old warfare that's been going on with the Vatican and the Templars. And, of course, the Templars came back and said, well, okay, give us all our property back because they were the richest men in the world, the richest organization in the world. I don't think the, the Vatican's going to give any of that back. Uh, but this exoneration of the Knights Templar, to me, was all of a sudden a movement and a push towards their final phase of World War III. As you look into Albert Pike, <clears throat> this grand sovereign commander of Freemasonry whose ashes are in the Temple of the 33rd, uh, he stated that we needed to create these three world wars, and he outlined them in very perfect way. Now, this was 1891, I believe, that he wrote this out. And in the Third World War, he said we had to get the atheists fighting the Christians. Now, this is coming into play with Barack Obama. For one, he was not allowed to, or you know, he did not allow any Christian minister to say the name of Jesus Christ in his inauguration. So when you find Gene Robinson, who is actually the first openly homosexual uh, Episcopal cardinal, he, or bishop, he comes out and says, uh, and gives his prayer to the God of many understandings. And I guess, you know, if you're a homosexual priest, you might want a God of many understandings. I don't know. Uh, then Reverend Black, he comes out and he says to the Lord of all nations. And I thought that one quite curious because if you kind of read your Bible openly, you'll find that it was Satan that offered all the nations to Jesus. So who is this Lord of all nations he's referring to? But to me, the psychological warfare is what's going on, and the disallowance of the name Jesus Christ in the inaugural prayers was a way to attack the Christians and to get the Christians and atheists kind of fighting because there was that very warfare going on. It was the atheists who disallowed the use of the name. And this is all part of Albert Pike's plan laid out right there. The second part was to get the Zionists and the Muslims fighting. Now, this is where I think it's going to play out, and this is where my Fourth of July projection comes in. Now, the Temple Mount was lost on the 4th of July. This was back with the Templars again when uh, they had, had held this, this Temple Mount of Solomon. And this is the very place that every Masonic ritual is supposed to take place, is at Solomon's Temple. It plays heavily into the Freemasonic rule. And they have always wanted this third temple. Now, the third temple or the taking back of the Temple Mount from the Muslims would absolutely spark World War III. I believe. And I believe this is going to be the Reichstag or the uh, false flag event that they will use. And I believe it'll happen on the 4th of July as a symbolic gesture. Uh, so as I'm saying this, and this is another one that I've been talking about for years, the Pope went to the Temple Mount. Now, this is the first time a pontiff have ever visited the Temple Mount. And it was after I had projected that that's what was going to occur. 
So now we've got this whole scenario unfolding as they start the psychological warfare for World War III. You can see the programming exactly as Albert Pike laid it out. He was writing to another Mason who was known as Mazzini, who was the M in Mafia, and has a <laughs> giant picture there in the New York Grand Lodge where on 1013 UFOs were hovering over the Grand Lodge of New York. Exactly. I was live on the radio doing a mock alien invasion on that day with Jack Blood when uh, suddenly it became real. So almost like the Orson Welles moment, isn't it? It was. It was, it, you know, you didn't know what to do. I didn't really believe it myself as the phone calls started coming in from New York all over the place. And, of course, uh, it was uh, Fulham's projection that, that on 1013 we would see these UFOs. And the fact that they were directly over the New York Grand Lodge and everyone filmed it, and then I, I went there myself. I actually took Dan Fogler of uh, Balls of Fury fame to this Grand Lodge, and we filmed uh, a new movie that I'm going to be in uh, called Don Peyote. Uh, will be coming out in September. I'm really excited. <laughs> Instead of Don Quixote, Don Peyote. Then Don Peyote. I took Dan Fogler to this this New York Grand Lodge, and the Mason that took us on the tour was exceptional. I mean, he said we couldn't film, but yet didn't stop us. Yeah. And he gave us a show like I could never believe. He is telling Dan Fogler that they put bodies on the altars, that they were lunatics and did their rituals at night, that they rule the world and have all the money. He is saying everything I could have uh, told him. And this was on the uh, winter solstice last year during a lunar eclipse uh, while we're in the Mason Lodge. And I'm teaching Dan Fogler all about Satanism and the, the connections to the Masons. Uh, well, hold, that, hold that thought because we have to take a one and only intermission. But uh, Fulman, Fulham uh, died just after that book came out and after that then 13 date. But just a quick correction. I said Monica Lewinsky's father, I know this may sound irrelevant, came, uh, it was a Jew from Germany, escaping Nazi Germany, his parents. He went to El Salvador, not to Ecuador. And the reason why I bring this up is because someone sent me a picture of a diplomatic car a vehicle entering the U.S. Embassy in El Salvador, and it had a Nazi a banner or a label, a sticker on the back of the car. The U.S. Embassy in El Salvador is the largest in the Western Hemisphere, and it's located in a street called Knights of Malta. I want to ask you about this and a few more things, but tell people how to get in touch with your work, how to listen to you on radio, etc. Absolutely. Well, I do a live broadcast every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Central. It's called The Free Zone. And you can listen to it right there on freeman.tv. Uh, you can also get everything I've ever done. I have over 700 hours of audio and video, um, personally made documentaries, just endless stuff about mind-boggling and mind-bending information right there at freeman.tv. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I do so much that people think I'm a team. Uh, so uh, there's a lot to say about it but if you just go to freeman.tv and, and don't be afraid to, to touch everything click on everything I set it up as kind of a magician's little lair where you can't go find exactly what you're after you just gotta explore because you don't know what's in my mind and uh, you want to you are bending people's minds like pretzels I'm looking forward to segment two we have so much more to discuss with Freeman this is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. We'll be right back. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section. If you're not a member, 
Just head on over to our website, veritasshow.com, and click on the subscribe link to listen to the rest of the show. As a member, have you subscribed to the iTunes link? Let iTunes download all segments of each new show automatically. There's a link in the members section. Just click on it and let iTunes do the rest. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more. Enjoy. If there's one thing in my life that's missing, it's the time that I spend alone, sailing on the cool and bright clear water. There's lots of those friendly people, they're showing me ways to go, but I never want to lose their inspiration. It's time for a cool change And now that my life Is so prearranged I know that it's time For a cool change well, I was born in the sign of water And it's there that I feel my best Trucks and the whales, they are my brothers. It's kind of a special feeling when you're out on the sea alone, staring at the full moon like a lover. Time for a cool change. Oh, 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 
This is Bradley Lockerman, and you are listening to Veritas.